Welcome, everyone, to FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I'm excited to bring you new reviews this week. By the way, if you're interested in following me and interacting on social channels, you can always find me on Twitter, at Film, and there are lots of other links in the show notes, so don't be afraid to come and chat. Here on FF Plus, the format is pretty straightforward. I'll start by talking about what I liked about each movie because we're big fans of positivity here at Elon Film. Then I'll mention anything that I didn't like before eventually giving you a recommendation on whether I think the film is worth your time and money. That's it. Simple, short, and spoiler-free. And without further ado, we're going to just jump right in. Now this week, there were no big new releases to cover, so I'm taking a step back and looking at two recently released films that I think could be possibly worth your time. These are both 90-ish minute thrillers from IFC, and I'm excited to talk about both of them. The first one is called The Novice from IFC Films. It stars Isabel Furman, Amy Forsyth, Delone, Jonathan Cherry, and Kate Drummond. It is written and directed by Lauren Hathaway, and it is her directorial debut. What's it about? A college freshman joins her university's rowing team and undertakes an obsessive physical and psychological journey to make it to the top varsity boat, no matter the cost. Now, if we're looking at comparisons, I actually just rewatched Black Swan this weekend, and a large part of that was because of seeing The Novice. It's a film that fits firmly in Aronofsky's filmography, or would, if, as it were. I think Lauren has spoken about how his films, in particular Black Swan and The Wrestler, were a big inspiration for her in telling this story of The Novice. The novice, the title of the film as it is, actually refers to a junior rower in their first year. So it's basically like you would think of as junior varsity in mini sports. Now, what did I like about this? Pretty much everything. Isabel Furman gives a fantastic performance. There are very few moments of levity and cheer in this film. It is high intensity and she is locked in for most of it, but she does an amazing job of navigating those few scenes and really selling when she spends most of the time having to be obsessed with this self-pressure of her obsession. Whiplash is another great example. If you like movies about characters who are driven to perfection in either a sport or an artistic pursuit of some kind, there's always a cost. And you're on the hook just waiting with bated breath to find out what that cost might be for this character the whole time the film is going. There's a great juxtaposition that happens in this movie because she is in school between her approach to schoolwork and her dedication to training. She is clearly strong in both areas, but she struggles to balance them, as you would imagine. And I like the way that this gets explored in the film, and it kind of helps to explain why she is pushing herself so hard to be good at rowing. We don't get that understanding until maybe towards a little bit more towards the end of the movie, but when it comes, it puts into perspective everything we've just watched. I really enjoyed learning about the sport of rowing, the lingo, the advancement structure, and what it takes to be the best. It's not a sport that I knew a lot about. I find myself to be quite knowledgeable on most athletic pursuits, but this was not one of them. And so I actually got to 
be educated while I was watching this, and that was nice. This is also just really polished filmmaking. It's hard to believe it's coming from someone as a directorial debut. It looks crisp. It's got a lot of stylistic flourish, but not overly done. Again, I would compare it to Aronofsky in the way that we get some of that fractured screen and mirrored type of work going on. There's a fantastic sound design and great score as well. And I think that Lauren Hathaway's experience, her personal experience in both college rowing and in a career that she has had with sound design and editing played a large role in why all of these elements come together to just be this kind of phenomenal piece that they are. It's just completely enrapturing story. You are so immersed in what is happening to this character that you need to see if she's going to be successful or not. And you're at the same time starting to really worry for her mental health and the cost and what it is doing to her, what it might mean for her future, whether she succeeds or doesn't. Now, there are some things that I don't particularly love about it. I think there is one element that goes overboard, and that is the back kind of half or third of the film. There's this constant cutting to a picture of a crab in a boiling pot. And I think that that imagery was completely unnecessary. The words or the phrase catching a crab is very important in rowing. And the imagery of a crab simultaneously in a boiling pot is the exact feel you get while watching this movie. You feel that is what's going on with this character. And so it was a bit redundant, honestly. The metaphor is something that we already understood about Alex's character, and we didn't need to see it just bluntly put before us kind of over and over and over again. So I think that's a, an area where Lauren Hathaway, when she looks back, will probably go, okay, you know what? I need to trust myself more, and I don't need to be that forceful on the audience. I made my point, and I think it's just a matter of confidence. I think that she will absolutely rein that in in the future. The movie does take kind of a dark turn at one point, Again, very similar to some of these other films in this type of genre. There's some bloody kind of very light body horror-ish type of uh, pieces to this. It doesn't go anywhere near as heavy as, you know, something like um, an Aronofsky movie usually does, or it's not a Cronenberg level body horror. There's just a level of self-harm, self-destruction, the way that that gets depicted, I didn't particularly like it. Thankfully, it's like one or two scenes in this movie. It's definitely not a dominating part of the narrative. And then there's a subplot here between Alex and her teacher that have a romance of sorts. And I did not care for that at all. It's not quite as gross as it might sound on paper. We're not talking about a gigantic age gap or anything here. It just didn't add a lot to the development of the character for me. I actually wanted more depth in this character. I thought that it was a little lacking. And that was a way that they were trying to provide it, but it did not work for me the way that they were hoping. I would have preferred we just ditched that altogether and focused on 
her obsession with rowing and training completely rather than go off on this very kind of minimal side tangent of a romance that, I don't know, just felt out of place, if you ask me. Overall, though, I am absolutely feeling this movie. I think that it is well worth the $7 that I spent to rent it, and I think that it's worth your $7 to check it out as well. It's available now on VOD on pretty much every platform. The film was critically acclaimed at the end of 2021, and many critics associations had nominated it for various awards. I can totally see that now. Might have been on my ballot even a couple of different places had I caught into it before Seattle Film Critics Society voted, but really just a stellar film. If you like those movies I mentioned, Whiplash, Black Swan, and The Wrestler, you're going to love The Novice, and you owe it to yourself to check it out as soon as possible. The second film we have is called See For Me, and this comes from IFC Midnight, starring Skylar Davenport, Kim Coates, Jessica Parker Kennedy, Pascal Langdale, Joe Ping, George Chorchov, and Laura Vandervoot. It is directed by Randall Okita and is written by Adam York and Tommy Gushu. What's it about? Sophie, a young blind woman house-sitting at a secluded mansion, finds herself under invasion by thieves seeking a hidden safe. Her only means of defense, a new app called See For Me, it connects her to a volunteer across the country who helps her survive by seeing on her behalf. Sophie is connected to Kelly, an army veteran who spends her days playing first-person shooter games. Sophie is forced to learn that if she is going to survive the night, she'll need all the help she can get. A blind teenage girl who ends up being not so powerless after all. So let's start with the casting. Skylar Davenport is a non-binary actor who is also legally blind. And I think that this was an incredible choice to cast them because their unique perspective on what it would be like to experience something this terrifying without the use of eyesight really allowed this performance to feel exactly what it is, which is lived in and real. And it was the best piece, best element of this entire movie for me was seeing Skylar and what they're capable of playing this character, Sophie. Now, Sophie is a modern girl. She uses tech to get around. It's kind of interesting to see how that plays out where she just talks to her phone and it's Google Assistant or it's version of Siri and that basically just pops up immediately and gets her everything and anything she wants. And so I think the hook of the movie has potential. The idea of, okay, you're having to let someone else be your eyes because you don't have that sense available to you. And there is, I don't know, middling execution of this. I'll have to save some of these thoughts for later, but I did like the premise. I like that the character of Sophie ultimately ends up going on this arc where she is learning to trust others because she starts off very much as a person who doesn't want help. She is bitter because of her injury and what it has taken away from her in her life. And she just wants to do everything herself. She's resistant, doesn't want to feel like she's a burden on people. And I can understand that, you know, people who have to deal with certain disabilities are likely to go through a phase of this kind. And so I, I appreciated getting to see her 
ultimately come out on the other end uh, in some way. I won't spoil exactly how that is, but the film does a good job of showing the importance of having to rely on others and that it does not equate to weakness. The way the movie is shot is fine. There's one really, really cool sequence in the film. It's towards the end, and Sophie actually has to use the darkness to navigate a situation where she is being kind of stalked by someone around the house, and she has to rely on her heightened senses instead of the app. That was much more interesting to me, honestly, than the app itself. It's really well photographed and it's incredibly suspenseful it gives off the vibe of playing stealth in the last of us video game series sneaking around behind cabinets tossing things to distract the clickers uh, so you could run to another area and get closer and closer to an exit that's what it felt like and it looked like and it was really the best sequence of the whole movie for me i enjoyed that a lot what do i not like about this well, unfortunately, most everything else. It, the implementation of the app is just so unrealistic to me. And it really kept me from being able to accept it and go with where the story was going. There's a level of, you know, disbelief suspension that has to happen when you're watching a fictional film but when a movie is trying to set itself in modern day it's not selling itself as science fiction it's selling itself as like right now this just isn't the way things would happen at all and because of that it makes it feel like you're trying to get away with something and you're trying to be clever and it doesn't feel that scary because you I, I don't know, I just don't fall for this fact that you could pull up your phone and say a word and immediately the app installs and the app and it created her account. Like that's one of the things that just bugs me. You know, we all use our phones to talk, but if you're going to have that be the main premise is that it's possible for this person to use an app and voice commands to do everything to mitigate her lack of eyesight, then it has to be implemented accurately. When she gets the See For Me app, she talks to her phone. She's like, download C for me. And the phone's, you know, downloading C for me, connecting to servers, you know, and it just like immediately knows who she is. That's not how apps work. We all know this. There is an account creation process. There's levels to these things that just get kind of skimmed over in this movie. Then the app itself and the way it works, this person she gets connected to, Kelly, is oh so conveniently an army veteran who is an exceptional first-person shooter video gamer, meaning she is ideally suited to be able to navigate the cell phone camera view that Sophie's phone provides her as Sophie is trying to walk around the house, and she can kind of tell her, you know, where to go, where to throw a punch or shoot or whatever the case may be because she's got this ability to kind of understand it on a tactical level. It didn't work at all. It feels so forced. It feels so just silly and ridiculous to me that this would even be possible. Sophie is supposed to be trying to be quiet, but she has to talk out loud on the phone back and forth to Kelly on speakerphone in order to allow her to use 
the phone's camera to navigate. There's so many things about this that just don't make sense. Then you throw on top of that that Sophie herself is fairly an unlikable character. Like, she's got some morally questionable decision-making going on, honestly. Which, I think, in the end, it makes some sense, and she even calls herself out for her behavior. But it never gets reckoned with, in any kind of meaningful way, the morally, ethically gray type of issues that this character has. She just gets away with stuff because she went through this traumatic event. And I didn't like that at all either. So I wish that has had worked better for me. It is only 90 minutes, like I mentioned up top. I don't think it's bad filmmaking. And I think that the decision to focus on an impaired character and cast that person in an actual role that is blind adds a lot to the story but I just could never get to the point where I took it seriously, and so it fell apart and was a big old miss, I thought, and added nothing at all interesting for me in the home invasion genre, which is vast and really difficult to make something new and interesting in at this point. So no, I'm not feeling this. I, this is also available on VOD now for about seven bucks a rental. There's no way I would pay this again or recommend that you pay seven bucks for this movie if it comes to a streaming service for free you know i might feel a little differently i might tell you sure throw it on netflix on a friday night spend 90 minutes bounce off of it forget about it and move on but i can't in good faith tell you it's worth your money i just don't think that it is well that's it this week on ff plus hopefully one of these movies has interested you even if I don't like it, maybe what I said is the opposite of how you normally feel, and it's therefore something that you would like. That's fine, too. I'd always love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter, like I mentioned, at Film. You can find me on Letterboxd, at Aaron L. White. There are links to all these things in the show notes, as well as the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group, where like-minded cinephiles and blockbuster fans chat about movies all day, every day. We'd love for you to be a part of that. If you're enjoying the show, please go to Apple Podcasts and drop us a five-star rating. If you want to add some words to that and give us a little review, that would be amazing as well. If you're on Spotify, you can review us there. It just helps us get more recognition and be more findable to those who are looking for a good podcast. They see those high numbers, they see those high ratings, and all of those shiny reviews with great words, and they say, hey, you know, I want to give that podcast a chance as well. And then Maybe it you know grows the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group as well, and we get to meet new people with great ideas about movies to talk about with them. So, hopefully that's you. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate your reviews, and we will be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling film. <laughs>